Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. All right. Welcome to Formation Fridays. It is so good. Why don't you guys stand up and give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? It is so amazing to be here. Um, I know many, many people right now, they're wishing, you know, they could be with their friends. Uh, check, check. Yeah, they're wishing they could be with their friends, with their family. And it is just a pleasure and an honor to be here. I was talking to uh, one of my friends that lives in South America, and they're all, you know, quarantined by law. And so if they step out, they get, you know, pretty much a fine unless they're going to go get something. Um, he and ho- his whole family pretty much has COVID. Uh, his wife, you know, you guys know him, Pastor Freddie. And uh, we want to be praying for him, obviously. But you know what I love when I talk to him? He doesn't have a victim mentality or a poor me. We call it pobrecito mentality, right? Instead, he's like, I know God will get us through it. This is a season. And uh, when we finish this, we'll have an even bigger testimony about his grace and his love. And there's a difference uh, between those that have Christ and don't have Christ. And it's so, such a beautiful thing. Uh, at the same time, they're always reminded of the beautiful freedoms that we have here, of the amazing, uh, just incredible, honestly, the country that we live in. Uh, every single day, if you guys don't know, every day for 21 days, we're fasting and we're praying uh, for our families, for our country, for the government. We're praying for, for our schools. We're praying for people, uh, for individuals. And so if you guys want to join, you know, it's uh, Friday every day at 9 p.m., not the week. Tonight we're going to do it together at the end. So if you guys want to take off at the end, it's okay. If you guys want to stick around for a few more minutes, we're just going to pray together. So people are going to join us online. And we're joining thousands of churches around the world that are just praying to God for the health of our families. I forgot to do something new and something beautiful in this nation. Um, I I also want to just tell you guys something besides uh, have a seat. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we should do it like in the olden days, you know, where the preacher, then everybody else would stand. why are you trying to mute me? Mute me, man. They're trying to mute me. Oh, okay, okay, man. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. You want me to switch? Like this? Like this. I want to preach like a rap star, yo. Like... <laughs> anyway, uh, you don't know. Anyway, uh, but um, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're trying to adjust, you know, everything that's going on, and we're doing our, our, our best, and we can actually, I think we can do even better every week. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for your tenacity. Today, we're going to talk about relentlessness, right? Uh, a relentless attitude. If you know, we've been talking about the 12 characteristics of a multiplying disciple. That sounds like a mouthful. All it is, is the 12 characteristics of someone who is Christ-like, of someone who you want to see more of in your families, in the education system, in the government. 12 characteristics of people who represent Jesus properly on this earth. I don't know if you guys know, but it was Jamaica's Independence Day not too long ago. When was it? When was it, Ryan? Yesterday, right? Yesterday, and I was just really, uh, really pumped. Number one, I've never been to Jamaica, and I want to go to Jamaica. Right now, it's a little bit harder, but I'm going to make it. One day, I'm going to make it to Jamaica. It's going to be awesome. How many of you guys have actually been to Jamaica? Raise your hand. (laughs) Ryan's wife. Beautiful. Okay, great, great. Here's the thing, though. Check it out. I have such a great view of the country and the people of Jamaica because I have an ambassador right there that has shown me something beautiful. 
That makes sense, yes? So, here's the thing. The same thing happens. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, of Jesus Christ. And when we are good ambassadors on this earth, guess what? We represent our kingdom well. We represent our king well. We represent our Jesus well. I want to go to Jamaica. But guess what? If, if the man right there was a jerk, if the man right there was, was just not a good representative of Jamaica, of course, it would be ignorant of me to think that every Jamaican is the same. But it would be, I would have a feeling against it. Does that make sense? I just commend you guys for representing Jesus well on this earth, for being good ambassadors of Christ on this earth. And that's exactly what Formation Fridays is. Give yourselves and Jesus a round of applause. But that's exactly what Formation Fridays is about. It's about saying, God, form my life so that I can be more like you, not like you more. Form my life so that I can be more like you, not just like you more. Right? So Formation Fridays, we say constantly that on Friday night is where most people make the worst decisions. You guys know what I'm saying? At least a lot of young people make a lot of dumb decisions. Really bad decisions happen on Formation Friday. Well, we believe that these Fridays is where people make some of the best decisions in their life. Decision to follow Jesus. Decision to be like Jesus. Today we're going to talk about the last of the 12 characteristics of a multiplying disciple. I... I do want to say something before I go on. I, I, I'm almost skipping it because I'm so pumped about the sermon. But um, today we sent the first aid or the first, uh, uh, the first uh, financial help to Nigeria to cover for all the food, for all the orphans that, on the orphanage for the entire month, three meals a day, every single day of the week. So it is such a blessing to be a part of that. And Pastor, Pastor Precious sent us a small video. It's because we haven't sent them yet on HD or some of you guys haven't gone to record the high quality videos yet. But uh, we're really trying to, uh, I wanted to just put it out there. You may understand half of it, um, but uh, but I hope, I hope you really understand the So uh, let's go ahead and, and roll the tape. Three, two, one. Hello, Pastor Pablo, Pastor Eni, and CFF. We bring you greetings of love from our family and our church family in Abba, Abia State, Nigeria, West Africa. The other day, I called Pastor uh, Pablo to know how you guys are doing. And uh, he told me, he gave me a good report. We wanted to really encourage every member of CFF. Uh, these times are difficult all over the world. And uh, these are the times that we have been instructed in the scriptures to just be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. God knew that, that times like this were coming and that's why he has invested so much in our lives spiritually so we can know how to handle times like this. And in such situations, we will need to remember the promises that he made unto us. In the book of Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2, he said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. The water will not overflow you. When you pass through the fire, I will be with you. The fires will not consume you. These are promises we can count on, even during this time of pandemic. And we know also that God has promised us his safety and security. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. This is the We'll wait, we'll wait. We're Americans, but we can wait. That's it. 
Uh, it was a four minute. I sent you the one. <laughs> My fault. I sent you the 140. Anyway, uh, I'll show you guys the second half next week. My bad. <laughs> anyway, God bless you guys. So uh, he ended up saying that you guys are amazing and that all the single people should get married in this church. Anyway, so <laughs> no, he really just thanked you guys for the for the generosity and for the blessings uh, that they've been receiving. That it was, um, like I said, I'll, I'll put it next week, but that has been just a blessing to not have to. Some of you guys that may not understand what we're talking about, but, uh, you know, God put it in our hearts that they should never have to worry again about feeding, uh, you know, those kids that don't have parents, that they have an orphanage. So you guys have been a part of building. It's such a beautiful thing. And, uh, and so it's just, he, just, he was just really excited. And then Pastor Precious at the end said some beautiful words that I honestly didn't understand. So you guys will try to decipher them next week. But it sounded awesome. Whatever she said, it sounded amazing. And I know her heart and, you know, she loves you guys. So they are praying for us literally every day. So I just want you to know that, that there's just a beautiful bridge that God has built. And uh, as this church continues to grow, we want to impact all areas of society. You know, God is putting in our hearts, you know, more and more and more uh, about in, impacting kids. And of course, you know, we want to talk about human trafficking and whatever God is able and allows us to do as a church, uh, we'll continue to do. Some of you guys may not know, but this church has 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 such a heart, you know, for the lost, has such a heart for every single person that doesn't know Jesus Christ. We understand that our first mission is our family. I thought I was going to hear an amen, but okay. Uh, <laughs> our first mission is our family. Everybody wants to be a missionary in Africa, but the hardest place to be a missionary at is in your own home because people know you. People know what you're about. People see what you eat. People see when you go to sleep. People see when you wake up, right? People see you. And so it's a really tough thing to be a, a missionary in your own house. But God called us to be a missionary right where we are. And then he also called us to do missions outside of where we are. And that is where we want to keep on going and keep on growing. So everything that we do, everything we give, everything that we are, I just ask that, ask God that it would, it, it would praise his name and that his name would be lifted up and glorified. As I was saying with Ryan, as he gave me such a great taste of Jamaica that we would also give this world such a great taste of the kingdom of heaven. And let's just keep on doing that. Amen. Awesome. Um, let's get into the last sermon of, of the series, of the 12-part series. And uh, if you guys would just close your eyes, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Because this is not a head thing, it's a heart thing. And let's just ask Him to, to do just that, to move in our hearts. Dear God, thank you so much. Because you allowed us to be in this place tonight. Thank you, God, because this church is not a building. This church is people. God, you have built this church with living stones. We ask you, God, that tonight you would speak into our hearts. God, change us, transform us. Lord, we don't want more information. We want transformation. God, we ask you to change us. Change us from the inside out. Holy Spirit, would you move through your word? Remove anything that is of me. And would you step in and do what you came to do? God, we came to this place. Many have tuned in tonight because we want you. God, give us the right attitude to continue to push forward towards you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to share with you an incredible part of the Bible. Some of you guys might have been very familiar with it. But it's found in Luke chapter 19 verse 1 through 10. Luke 19 verse 1 through 10. Meanwhile, you find that part of the Bible, or meanwhile, it comes up on the screens. I want to remind you that the gospel is the good news of salvation, right? The gospel, when we talk about the gospel, preaching the gospel is the good news of God. Thank you. Gospel, it has, I want you to grab this and remember it. We try to repeat it as much as we can, but there are three C's to the gospel. Three C's that help you understand what the gospel really is about. The first C is the content. What the gospel is about, the Bible, the word of God, Jesus the Christ, who was he? 
I just, uh, I'm, I'm doing a, a lesson, uh, like a, it's like a, a class, but on, not online, on audio. And it's like about, I don't know, 20 hours or so of just apologetics. Now, not because I like to argue with people, because I want to know more content. Constantly reading. I encourage you guys to get to know the content of the Word of God. The Word of God in itself is able to transform your heart, renew your mind. It's so beautiful. Fall in love with the Word of God. Jesus said, For the man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Get to know, grow hungry for the word. If you're not hungry for the word of God, maybe some of you need to learn to fast. Sometimes you're so hungry for God, all you can do is fast. And so the content is important. But what happens with many churches is that they focus only on content. And if you don't know enough content, you feel less. You feel like the content is everything. And if you get it wrong, then actually, actually, the Greek, the Hebrew, the geek, just kidding. You know, every single thing. And all they want to know is the content. And that's not wrong. But the gospel is much more than content. Amen. The gospel also has to do with community. That's the next C. Community is the people around you that love you. The people around you that are not perfect. Some imperfect people in this place, can you please say amen? Right? We're not perfect. And if this place... If you, if you were looking for a perfect place, you might as well die because that's not on this earth, right? The moment you entered into this church, even if it was perfect, you made it imperfect. At least I did, right? So imperfection is part of it. But community doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be real. And that's a beautiful thing about a community where we get to help each other, sharpen each other, each other. Even with the things that we don't like about one another, that's part of family. That's part of being community. And that community is not there to just satisfy you but to sanctify you, to help you be more like Christ. Anyone can be like Jesus in a vacuum. Get married, see how easy it is. Man, I thought I was unselfish until I got married. Then I thought I was unselfish until I had kids. That took it to a whole nother level. You see, you can never, never really grow to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ in a vacuum. God never called us to be alone. This is why this pandemic is so difficult for some people. Because it's hard to do life alone. Amen. So God gave us a beautiful community. Now we need to learn to adapt and to grow and to figure this thing out and figure it out we will. Amen. And so I know that God gave us each other to help one another and to bless each other. So praise God for the content, for the community. And the last thing is the cause. This is where a lot of people drop off. Everybody wants a community. Everybody wants to understand, to learn. But do you know the cause of the gospel? The gospel has a cause. It has a content, it has community, and it has a cause. The cause of Jesus Christ. For this reason I came, Jesus said. For this reason I am alive. Jesus came for one reason. To seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ has a cause. You know he didn't come to make you better. That sounds weird. I know because some of us self-help Americans. We really like the idea of of, of actualization. Self-actualization, right? Instead, God came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ came to give you life and life in abundance. Christ came to make you something that you never thought you could ever be. And that is loved beyond measure. Does that make sense? So the cost, I mean the content, the community and the cost. The cost is to win souls and to make disciples. Now here's the cool thing about that. We can try all our lives to share the love of Jesus with people. And even if no one receives it, my my cause is not for you to grow. My cause is for me to share his love. I cannot make someone drink. I could only make them thirsty. Does that make sense? I can't make someone drink. I could only make them thirsty. So I just want to take some of the burden off of people's back. And just make you understand one simple truth that at least I carry as a pastor. It takes a lot of pressure off. But it also keeps me going straight. My purpose is not to change you. I'm not the Holy Spirit. 
I didn't die for you on the cross. My purpose is to represent Jesus the best I can, to give you the best community that I can, to try to teach you as much content as I can, and whenever possible, as much as I can, show you the purpose of Jesus in our lives, according to the word. And so, all this to tell you, the gospel is so complete. The gospel should impact you. The gospel should infiltrate our attitudes, our actions, our emotions. We have seen marriages restored. We have seen physical healings. We have seen provision like in Oscar's life. That was crazy because I saw what he wrote way before this. And in the worst time where people should be going down, we see God prospering his kids. Now, that doesn't mean you can buy miracles. It does mean, though, that God sees your faithfulness. And God has a time. Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, and we will put that one on the screens. Do not grow tired of doing good. Because if you do not give up, if you do not grow tired or grow weary, you will reap a great harvest. When? In due season. In due season, you will reap its reward. I'm not sure which version we put up there. Can we read it together? Is that okay? For the community to hear? Ready, set, go. Let us not... If we do not grow weary. Awesome. That sounded okay, I guess. My fourth graders did a lot better, but you know, you guys are getting there. We're getting there. Okay, cool, cool. Let's get back to the story. I won't keep you guys too, too long, uh, but Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. I'm probably going to skip most of the story because I want to get down to the nitty-gritty, okay? So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Who was passing through? Jesus. Awesome. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. We call him Zac. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So he was a chief tax collector. He had a great position, right? And he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't. Why are you guys laughing? They're jacked up. I'm just kidding. No. No, he was short. He was short, right? He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed. I think it's funny too that the Bible actually points out that he is shouty, right? The Bible actually says, hey, this guy's short in stature. And there's a purpose why Jesus would, would allow this to be there. There's a purpose why Luke the doctor decided that it was important for this to be in the scripture. And I'm going to point it out to you. This is where I really, really believe where the story really focuses. It says, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Don't worry, don't get nervous. The offering plate already passed. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. It's such a beautiful, incredible story. And I wish I had like three hours to disseminate it and to talk about it. But I want to focus on his shortness. That sounds really weird, I know. I want to focus on the fact that this man was too short to see Jesus. Why in the world would this man, before jeans, by the way, before shorts, back when they had tunics, you guys catch my drift? Why would this man of renown, of position, of status, I just want you to picture the person with the most status in your life. It could be your dad, your mom, your boss, your boss's boss, your boss's boss's boss. Climbing a tree with a kilt, with skirting, you know, a, a toga, right? Climbing a tree and just pointing everybody else, his co-workers, people around saying, what are you doing, man? 
come on. I mean, I know this, this guy, Jesus, all the, all, the, all the fuzz, but would you just get a hold of yourself? Why would you put yourself in a, such a shameful position? This man had such a desperation that he said, I must see Jesus. He was willing to relent something, to let go of something, and he was unwilling to let go of something else. He was relentless in his pursuit of encountering Jesus. He said, I will not allow my, my shortness, my stature to stop me from being face to face with the Christ, from seeing him. I love this. Now, it doesn't just say seeing him. He wanted to know Jesus. He wanted to know who he was. The original scripture is much deeper than our, our language. And he wanted to intimately know the Christ. He had heard of him. Just as you have heard of Jesus. But do you know him? Come on. Do you know him? Do you know him? I wish I had time to bring you to my house and spend time in the kitchen as I did with a few people today and just spend, even if we're going to cry, cry. If we're going to laugh, laugh. We're just going to share, share some Argentinian asado. That's cool too. Listen, I wish I could know each of you. To know someone deeply and intimately. That's the, what Jesus wants. He wants you to know him. And he wants to make his heart revealed to you. This is so beautiful because Sakeo says, I'm too short. And you may have the same thought in your mind at times. I'm too short. Now, of course, I know some of you guys are not shouties, right? But in this case, Sakeo was short in stature. But maybe you're short in time. Maybe you're short in energy and you can't. Or maybe you're short on health. Hello? Maybe you're short on resources. You're short on many things, on friendships. And you want to see, you, you're short on, on what? And that relentlessness, that desperation is what leads a man to climb a tree and to say, I don't care if I'm short, I will see Jesus. This is what I hear in my heart when I was, when I was preparing this. I feel like God put something in my spirit and I want to share it with you. I don't want to sound all weird, uh, but I, I wanted to share this. What you lack in resources, you'll make up with passion. What you lack in talent, you'll make up with discipline. What you lack in health, you'll make up in praise. What you lack in time, you'll make up in sacrifice. What you lack in strength, you'll make up with joy of the Lord. And it's time to climb a tree. Does that make sense? You've got a round of applause. The thing with it is that whenever we feel short, or whenever we fall short, we take certain attitudes. And that's what I want to address today. The attitude... Of letting go instead of the attitude of climbing, grabbing, grasping, clenching. We have to learn to be relentless with the right things. And some of you are so stubborn with the wrong things. And I believe that's a good thing because God wants to shape it and for you to be stubborn for the right reasons. I don't know about you. I have a boy. His name is, I'm not going to say his name, which one of the two is. But this boy is, is, is stubborn. He's stubborn like his mama. <laughs> just kidding. No, I don't say that. Only, no, I'm just kidding. You know, <laughs> I'm about to take a vacation with her for a whole week. So I'm about to deal with that one. But, you know, this boy, is, he's, he's only three and a half. I guess you guys know who he is. Jose. Right? Jose is awesome. But this boy is stubborn. He's like, ah. I'm like, that's the Rivaltowski side coming up. You know? And I, <laughs> and I look at him. And I'm like, dude, this kid's. But you know what? One of the things that my pastor so wisely said, he said, you never want to break a kid's will. You want to conform it to the will of God because that will that is so strong and so ugh, stubborn is what's going to change the world. And I see that happening. I, I don't want to break my kid's will. I want to shape it to the, to the will of God. I want to make sure that that stubbornness is stubborn for the right reason. See, I can't convince this kid of some things. You guys know my struggle, man. Sometimes I would sit there and try to make him eat one piece of rice. I said M&M's. I said ice cream, chocolate, everything, toys in front of him. One piece of rice. 
And I, at the end of two hours, you think I'm playing. Two hours. I had to shove it in his mouth as to not let him win. I said, fine, fine. Okay, fine. You can have the candy now. He's like. <laughs> Listen, I was so mad. But then I realized, that's awesome. What if one day his friends are like, do it. Do it, bro. Do it. Do it. Just one hit. Puff, puff. Just one. And I he's like. <clears throat> Am I making sense? I want my kid to be relentless. I want us to have that relentlessness towards God. So much of you has been stubborn and you've fallen, you've made mistakes. But what if God made you like that for a reason? God made you like that to be relentless for the right thing. See, Zacchaeus was a beast. This guy was a beast at what he did. He was a chief tax collector. He had cheated so many people. Now, you know what? What Jesus saw, he didn't see a cheat, a lie. You know what he saw? He saw Zacchaeus. You know what Zacchaeus actually means? Pure, holy. In Aramaic, that's what his name means. Jesus saw something pure, something holy. He didn't see his past. He saw past. His past. Jesus was able to say, I know who you are. I know what you've done. But I know what we can do together. And I love the fact that Jesus can do that with someone who's unwilling to stay behind. Now you have to do something. You do have to fight. You do have to push forward. You have to say, God, if I have to climb a tree, I'll climb the tree. But some people will never climb the tree of desperation. They will settle down in their shortness and make excuses instead of saying whatever it takes. I don't care who likes it, who doesn't like it. I will see my Jesus. I know there's a difference between a nominal believer, a religious person, and somebody who has an intimate communion, relationship with God, somebody who sits at the table with him. See, all these people knew the word. Those that were criticizing Zacchaeus, I can't believe he's sitting there with a sinner. Oh, if they would have had a personal relationship with God, they would have known better. They would have known that that's who Jesus came for. You <laughs> and me, <laughs> right? Jesus came for us. Listen to this for just a second. Do you have a relentless attitude or has it been beaten out of you? Has it been beaten out of you? Has, it, has life had enough blows yet? Enough betrayal, enough letdowns? Have you been told no enough? Today I hope. I pray that if just one of you, even if it's just a kid that can listen and say, I want to have a relentlessness about my life, about the way I see God, about my pursuit of Jesus, about my pursuit of the vision that God has for my life. If I can do that, if we can just grab hold of that, I believe that today we have had a victory over the enemy. And everything that life has thrown your way will not be thrown away. Amen? Everything that life has thrown, away, thrown your way has not, will not be thrown away. It will be a resource. It will be part of your testimony. Amen. Listen to this. I pulled up some, I don't want to sound like, like a, you know, just a, I'm not Tony Robbins. I have the same facial structure, but I'm not him, you know. You guys don't know who he is. Anyway, so he got a long face like me a little bit, but not like a bad thing. It's a good thing. Anyway, so uh, he has five, I, I read five characteristics on, you know, different magazines. I like to read, as you guys know. And uh, I want to just share with you something so quick. Five things, characteristics of people that are quitters. Quitting people have five characteristics. So you could run from this like the plague, like the COVID, okay? Make sure that you never allow this in your life. Zacchaeus had none of this. And you're going to see the contrast right now. Zacchaeus had none of this. The first characteristic of a quitter, quitter, of a quitter is that a lifestyle of giving up, right? Winning is a habit. Vince Lombardi said that. And he said, but it's, so is losing. Winning is a habit and so is losing. If you get accustomed to giving up. So the first characteristic of a quitter is that his lifestyle is of giving up up constantly giving up now he'll make good excuses good reasons but he's always giving up it could be small things he starts something doesn't finish it before you guys start feeling like loser i'm just telling you praise god there's hope hope for today hope for me hope for you right 
so you know, just so you know, you don't want those things about you. Ask God to change that. If you have the habit of not finishing tasks, it's time to start finishing whatever you started. Amen. I'm not talking about bad things. <laughs> I'm just talking about, hey, guys, if God called you to do something, get it done. It could be something so small like telling your wife, hey, yeah, I'll change the light bulb. And you bought the light bulb, but you didn't take the other one. out. Maybe you took it out, but you didn't put the new one in. Get it done. Something as simple as that. It's time to get things done. Amen. Don't quit. Don't quit on relationships so quick. I come from a country. It's a weird thing. It's a strange thing. Where people could offend each other and then come back two days later and say, oh, fight it out and then come back into being friends. It's not a country issue, I realized later. It was a kid issue. Listen, I was 13 years old. All my friends, we would fight all the time. But guess what? We had each other. That's it. We couldn't leave the community we lived in. We didn't have cars yet. We had to stick it out. And here I thought it was my, my, my country. And I realized not my country. It's my availability. I'm, I'm, I become so available to everything else if you offend me. I want you to learn something today. Don't quit just yet. There are people that are going to rub you the wrong way. Maybe they're rubbing you the wrong way. Because you need to be filed down in that area of your life. Amen. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron. As you guys know, I'm a metal fabricator among many other things. And I know that sometimes... It must be abrasive if you're going to take down that material that shouldn't be there. And that happens in our lives. Don't quit on friendships so quick. Allow somebody to offend you every once in a while. Allow your pastor to speak to you in a way that you don't like it sometimes. Quitters. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm serious. Can you say, hey, with your friends, you know what? If you offend me, I know your heart. If you offend me, I'm going to be here. And when he calls it amigas de fierro, friends. Made out of steel. Made out of metal. I believe God wants to give us that. Man, God give us marriages like that. Next. A wrong belief that life should be easy. People that quit. People that don't have a relentless attitude. They think wrongly that life should be easy. Life should not and is not and will not be easy. What if I gave my life to Jesus? Ask Jesus. How did his life go? Ask his 12. How did his 12 life go? They all of a sudden get cribs and start riding nicer camels. Got some Yeezys, the real ones, you know. Did they all of a sudden start just, just looking better? More fit, nicer, you know. All people started recognizing, yo, what's up? P-A-P, what, what? All friends. Dude, these guys had nothing. These guys died. I don't want to read to you the list that I have here, how each one of them died. And sometimes... People think that because God is in your life, everything's going to be just great. And forgive us churches and pastors who have preached that message. Because that is half the story only. Because there's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. God is with you through thick and through thin. In the storm and in the rainy, in the shiny, in the morning, in the night. I promise you, I promise you, life will throw some nasty curves. This Sunday, you'll be hearing a story. A person who I love so much, Georgie. Dad passed away this last week or two weeks ago. And he's going to be sharing the message this Sunday. I want to tell you, Georgie, I know you're listening. You're with your kids. Man, I want to say this. God is with you through that time too. And he knows. Where are you at, Georgie? Ah, I love you. Give Georgie a huge. Jenny, can you give him a hug for me? Is that okay? Ah, Georgie, is God with you in the storm? God is there. God is there. And that's the thing that a lot of people think. To just that God is with us when we have 
everything well. God is with us through the valley as well as through the mountaintop. Oscar, God was with you when you had no job. And God is with you when you're, you're a baller now. Giving other people jobs. Is it true or not? Georgie, I can't wait to hear it. I'm no pressure, by the way. No pressure. No pressure at all. But I, I know you have a message from God. I know it's there. And I can't wait to hear it. Amen? So why am I telling you this? Because you cannot have the mindset that life will be easy. I'll finish this part with this. Growing up, I would get in fights. Not because I, like, I did want to. I, growing up, I, I was very prideful as a young kid. And I could blame it on not having a dad. But the truth is this. I just like that stuff back then. Then God renewed me, right? Now I just fight against the enemy. Whoa, what? Super spiritual. Yeah, yeah. You know? But, but here's one of the things that I knew about this. I knew about this. I said, if I could throw the first punch, I will most likely win. But it was really hard to throw the first punch about people with people that actually wanted to fight. People that just talk smack, they don't want to fight. They want to back you down. They want to intimidate you so you just walk away. But there are those crazies that don't want to back you down. They want to shake your hand with the left hand so they can strike you with the right. There's those people that are ready for the fight and it's hard to surprise them kind of people. And I think Christians need to learn something about the street fighters. We need to learn that we're in a fight. That the enemy is not going to play fair. We need to learn that, hey, life has difficulties. But God is with us. And you need to be ready at all times, at any time. To say, God is with me. And if God is for me, who or what can be against me? Sometimes we need to have a little bit of a spiritual attitude. Does that make sense? Instead of just being victims, becoming victors in Jesus Christ. Amen. If that's for Jesus, let's do it right. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Third one. Third one. A wonderful belief, right? People have a wrong belief. The, the, the first one was what? That li the lifestyle of giving up. The second one is a wrong belief that life should be easy. The third one is a wrong belief that success is a destination. Success is not a destination. Success is a process. Man, success is a journey. I don't want to sound like a Hallmark card, but man, that's so true. When you feel you have arrived, buckle up. It's about to get ready. It's about to start. You better get ready. You know, the beautiful thing about marriage is that it's a process. The beautiful thing about ministry is that it's a process. Can I tell you, we have to start over here, this church. So when this pandemic hit, I want to tell you something from the bottom of my heart. Ask my wife and ask my kids and those that are near me. We didn't freak out. We weren't scared. We're like, oh my God, we're going to do what if people leave? We're like, hey, we've been preparing for this for a long time. This is going to really prove the things we've been preaching and teaching. We're excited for this. Matter of fact, I'm telling you, we were not scared at all. These are the best times that CFF has seen since its beginning. Oh, you think I'm playing? I am so serious. So serious. Your Christianity shines now. That light has the same output in the day, but at night, you know it's on. And the same thing's happening. So why am I telling you this? Because we have to understand that the life, ministry, family, it's a process. You got to be willing to work through it. A man once said, if you're going through hell, keep on going. If you're going through hell, just keep on going. Don't stay. Keep on going. Amen. I think that was Churchill. I don't want to misquote him, but I believe some of you guys could do a quick Google search and correct me before the sermon ends to be okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just on Google search my rest of my sermon, please. All right. The next one is this. The next one. I'm going to go quickly here. This one is a lack of resiliency. Now, resiliency is something that teachers understand. You have kids that have gone through some horrible things, yet they're so resilient. You wouldn't even know that their house is broken. You wouldn't even know what's happening in their lives. Just you see these kids, they're happy, but there's something about them. They're so resilient. There's something about them that they're like life in them. There's resilience. You know what I'm saying? Resilience. There are other people that are going through something similar and they're just broken, falling apart. What is the difference? 
Is it that one is just better made, you know, made in America? You know, like what is the difference between one and the other? What is the difference? There's decisions that need to be made. And there's also something super important, learning to deal with life. Resiliency is not just innate. I remember studying, when I was studying psychology, you know, I had these questions, nurture versus nature. You guys heard of that? Well, they forgot one factor, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ in people's lives. I've seen people raised some crazy ways, not resilient at all, falling apart in every decision. Then I've seen my king, my Lord, build our lives up to where they became spiritual giants. Husbands who wives want to follow. Do you hear what I said? And I'm not talking about just some weak souls wives. I'm talking about men of God being followed by women of God. Now, before some of you guys think I'm sounding chauvinist, I just want to tell you this. I've seen God turn weak leaders into strong leaders, loving leaders, caring leaders. It's not just nurture. It's not just nature. It's God in you. Allow God to make you a resilient person. When things come, don't just say, I'm going to fight this on my own. Say, God, you and I got this, right? As long as you're with me, we're going to be okay. Resiliency is something that I wish I could spend more time. And you say, isn't it the same thing as relentlessness? No. That's a little bit different. I wish I had more time. We'll spend it later on. But I need to get to the last one. Lack of vision. People that have a, a quitting mindset or a, or, or a relenting mindset, they don't have vision. The Bible says that for lack of vision, my people perish. That's what we read it as. But the real translation, the original language says, for lack of vision, people lose grip or lose restraint or lose control. Some people's lives are out of control, not because they're weak, but simply because they have no vision. Some people's lives are out of control. Some families are out of control because there's no North Star, no vision. Let me ask you the question, what is the vision for your life? To graduate? Fine, you graduated, then what? My sister has three, I think it's her fourth master's degree now. How many more? I tell sis, how many more do you need, dude? <laughs> Just kidding, she's awesome, she loves the Lord too, and her family serves Jesus. It's pretty cool, get as many as you want. You know, I'll just clap. I, you know, what I'm trying to say, it's important, by the way. Kids, stay in school. What I'm, trying to, what I'm trying to say is something so simple, guys, so simple. What's your vision? It's too short. Your vision is too short. God's vision is so much greater. God's vision always includes the blessing of other people. God's vision will never be attained by just you. You need a partnership. It's called the Great Commission. Co-mission. Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And lo and behold, I'll be with you till the end of the age. Oh, by the way, it said something in the beginning. For I have given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. You know what he's saying? The same authority I have, I give to you. Let's do this together. It's called the commission. The great commission. Why do I say this? Because your mission in life is not just your function. Please listen for a second. Your function can change. Your function can change. Man, I pray your function changes at some point. Amen. I pray that at some point you have to maybe, just maybe rely not only on your talent, but on the grace of God. You know, I, I had the pleasure of, of having friendship and relationship. And at some point we're mentoring this beautiful lady, 12 Grammys. I think she's on her 13th. Cece Wine. And she sings like an angel. She gave us a personal concert here. And I was like, that was incredible. But you know that Sissy Winans is not a singer? Well, pastor, she just has 12 Grammys. No, no, no. She's, not. she's a child of God who happens to sing for his glory. It's so beautiful to see. She's so well-centered. 
She's so amazing at this that she's not like, you know, she's not asking people to treat her like, like the, the, the Grammy. I got more Grammys than Elvis. Come on now. Am I making sense? I don't know. How many Grammys did Elvis have? Probably had a bunch. But he definitely sold, she definitely sold more gospel records than Elvis Presley. She's almost got more gospel records than anyone else. But you know what? That's never affected her personality. Do you know why? Because her identity is not in her function. It's in her purpose. It's in her vision that God gave her. Let me ask you that question. If today you stopped doing what you were doing. If today you had no, no way to do that. COVID has shown a lot of people a lot about their purpose. Your vision is greater than your function. Jesus Christ gave a vision to you for your life. That's the beauty of that. You become relentless when you have that vision. Nothing can stop you. You become unstoppable. And the enemy hates that. When you have the vision of God in your life, watch out, devil. It's, it's on. It's powerful. Let me finish with this because I wish I could preach all night, but we do have to pray. I got to tell you this. When I see the story of Zacchaeus, I see this man who is so relentless, so cool. Like just, I wish I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be like, where's Zach? I want to talk to Zach. I'll be like, hey, Zach. <laughs> now, he's going to have a renewed body, so he'll probably be a lot taller, right? But, but I'm going to be talking to Zacchaeus. What, what I really want to ask him is this. Honestly, as he was there on that tree, up there, I wonder what he was thinking. I wonder if he was looking at Jesus, looking at everybody else and saying, please, please, over here. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I wonder if he, or, or did he know? Did he know what was going to, did he have a, like an, assur an assurance? You know, because some people really put everything on the line when they know. But he didn't know that Jesus was going to, he didn't know that Bible was going to unfold that way. He put his reputation on the line, his job on the line, his friends on the line. He put everything on the line. I don't even know if his wife was like, who is this guy? You know what I'm saying? Like he put it all on the line. I just want to know, did he, did he have the certainty? Did he have that faith? Or did he just say, hey, maybe there's a small chance that Jesus will turn around and look my way. And for that, I applaud him for saying, I don't know exactly, but I'm going to do everything I possibly can. To have an encounter with him. See, here's the beautiful thing. I'm not just trying to encourage you to be relentless. Here's the second part of that. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. And he called him by his name. It's not just us. It's not just me trying hard. It's God meeting you in the middle and saying, I love you so much. I've called you for such a time as this. I know you by name. By name. He knew his name. He knew his future. As a matter of fact, listen, I believe 100% that Jesus knew exactly where he lived. He said, by the way, Zach, let's go to your house. Let's do cell group over there. And he had a cell group over there with all, the, all his sinning friends. And they all came to Jesus, literally. Ain't that amazing? I want to see a guy like that. I want modern Zacchaeus. I want to be a modern Zacchaeus. As the music begins to play, because I'm going to keep on going, right? Zacchaeus was so powerful because he refused to let his shortness, his impediments stop him from encountering the living God. I want to challenge you right now to make a, a choice, to choose something that no matter what happens, come hell or high water, no matter what happens, no matter who happens, you're going to chase hard after God. If you have to climb trees, Of poverty, you will climb those trees of poverty. If you have to cl climb trees of success, because, man, those trees have some crazy thorns. Crazy thorns. The people that have fallen the hardest are those that have climbed the highest. Man, that tree is tough to climb, but you will climb that tree as well.
That you could climb that tree of singleness and say, unless you give me a wife and I'm not going to marry, I'm not going to follow you, God. Come on now. Whatever happened to God is enough. The best singles will make the best married people. I promise you that. I is a promise. A promise. Man, I'm telling you right now, if you make that choice, whether you're a leader or doesn't, you know, when people see people falling on the news that were Christians and they blame them, and then they don't want to follow God because of them, it's as bad as me saying, oh, I know a Jamaican, therefore I don't like Jamaica. Ain't that weird? Wouldn't that be ridiculous? It's called ignorance. Some people call that bias. Stigmas. I wonder if you have that same ignorant attitude towards my Jesus. You saw a Christian who didn't do well, who didn't climb his tree, and you say, forget that. It's not worth it. And God would say, I love you. I know you by name. I'm worth the climb, I promise. I want to go to your house. I want to redeem you. I want your name to be written in the book of life. And so this man climbed the tree. Climb your trees. Close your eyes with me, please. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God gives you that kind of decision, the relentlessness to pursue God in spite of who falls, who stands, who grows more than you. How long it's going to take that you say, God, I'm going to chase after you, after your purpose. Agreement or disagreement, you're mine and I'm yours, Lord. I need you. I want you. Jesus took your sin and my sin and climbed that old rugged tree. It's called the cross. Jesus climbed the tree for you. He gave up everything. His status as king, his wealth as the creator of the universe. He made himself a man and gave himself for you. He shed his blood for you and I to be able to encounter him. He climbed the tree in spite of it all. My Jesus loves you so much. He made himself visible. His blood is available. And his redemption is yours. Jesus climbed that tree. I want to read to you something as you have your eyes closed. And I pray it moves your heart as it moved mine. One of my favorite old preachers, Billy Sunday, preached this a long time ago. You know, when I read it, I said, this is for me. I'm not going to ever share it with anybody. Then God convicted me and said, it's not yours. Share it tonight. Christ for sickness, Christ for health. Christ for poverty, Christ for wealth. Christ for joy, Christ for sorrow. Christ today and Christ tomorrow. Christ my life and Christ my life. Christ for morning, noon and night. Christ, when all around gives way, Christ, my everlasting stay. Christ, my rest, and Christ, my food. Christ above, my highest good. Christ, my well-beloved friend. Christ, my pleasure without end. Christ, my Savior. Christ, my Lord. Christ, my portion. Christ, my God. Christ, my shepherd. I, his sheep. Christ himself, my soul to keep. Christ, my leader. Christ, my peace. Christ has bought my soul's release. Christ, my righteousness divine. Christ for me. Christ, for he is mine. Christ, my wisdom. Christ, my meat. Christ restores my wandering feet. Christ, my advocate and priest. Christ, who never forgets the least. Christ, my teacher. Christ, my guide. Christ, my rock. In Christ, I hide. Christ, the everlasting, the ever-living bread. Christ, his precious blood has shed. Christ has brought me near to God. Christ, the everlasting word. Christ, my master. Christ, my head. Christ, 
who for my sins has bled. Christ my glory, Christ my crown, Christ the king of great renown, Christ my comforter on high, Christ my hope draws ever nigh. Christ for sickness, Christ for health, Christ for poverty, Christ for wealth, Christ for joy, Christ for sorrow, Christ today and Christ tomorrow. Don't you ever forget Christ my life, Christ my light, Christ for morning, noon, and night. Dear God, Jesus Christ, thank you so much because you are so good, so kind, so patient. I ask you God right now. That just as you climbed that tree relentlessly, you did not stop, you did not quit. When everyone around you spat on you, abandoned you, left you for dead, you continued climbing that tree for me. God, I ask you now, that you give us a kind of attitude, a kind of relentlessness that says, whatever it takes, let not my will be done, but yours. Dear God, I ask you now, that whoever's feeling discouraged or downtrod, I pray right now, God, that you lift them up. God, that they feel your love, your grace, your strength. God, that community surrounds them. God, I ask you now, please, please, God, Redeemer, Renewer, Restorer. This is the time where I ask you, this whole series, these 12 characteristics, God, let us live them out. That the world would see your love, your grace in our families, in our lives. God, if we want wealth, it's not ours, it's yours. God, take it. God, if we want health, it's not ours, it's yours. Would you take it? Our families, God, it's yours. Use them. Take them. God, thank you, Jesus, because you're worth it all. I ask you now one last thing for these beautiful people and everyone who's tuned in. That just as that tree, as insignificant as it might have seemed at some point to someone. At some point, God, that tree was just a seed. 40 years perhaps back, before Zacchaeus ever climbed it, was planted alongside a road and God I pray right now that just as you cared for that seed and you saw it grow and you protected it from the skies from the birds from the heat God that the lives here that may feel right now that they're not there yet that their purpose hasn't developed that they would be relentless and grow and grow and grow that one day they too may be used to raise someone to know you God, that one day, just as that small seed that turned into a sycamore tree, the purpose for that one plant, oh God, you have a purpose for us as well. Someone here, right now, I pray God that you reveal your love, your heart, your grace to them, your purpose. If you haven't yet discovered your purpose in God, if you haven't yet given him your life, you're still in the fences, you maybe you're not climbing your tree just yet. I invite you to do something simple, just as Zacchaeus did, to invite Jesus to your house. Invite Jesus, tell him, God, come to my house, come to my life. Change me, Jesus. I give you my heart. I give you access to the dark corners of my life. Would you change me, please? I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to encounter you. I love you, Lord, so much. I need you today. And I will not stop chasing after you. As I know, you will never stop chasing after me. Beautiful Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for being with us through COVID or no COVID. For being with us through all this. Jesus, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Give Jesus a loud round of applause. If it's, him for, if it's for him a little bit louder, come on, let's do it for him. He's so good. He's so worth it. He's beautiful.